Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Hey, yo, welcome back, everybody. Fantasy Sports Today, Joe Pizzapia here with you. Craig Mish taking a segment off because... He deserves it. He's a very, very hardworking man. And so is our next guest here. You know him from Fangraphs. You know him from the Fantasy Black Book 2020. And uh, you also know him as the host of the Sleeper and the Bus podcast. He is the one, the only, the very handsome Paul Sporer. Paul, welcome to the program. We've got baseball. I know it's crazy, man. I got excited. And at the same time, I'm really kind of hesitant. It's like you're uh, you're kind of waiting for somebody in the back to kind of like knock you from behind or something like that and tell you it's too good to be true. But uh, how do you feel about the season right now? Are you looking forward to it? Just happy we got baseball back or are you waiting for the other shoe to drop? Both. Really? <laughs> I mean, I am happy it's back, but I'm kind of waiting for the other shoe, shoe to drop. Uh, I really won't be fully engaged and fully excited until there's players on the field playing and we're, and we're kind of watching games uh, until that point. Uh, let's see what happens here. You know, is there a cutoff number of COVID cases where they would just say, never mind, this doesn't work? Um, so yeah, I've got some excitement, but I can't I can't just fully dive in yet until we see some players playing. Yeah. Well, look, I think we're all kind of looking at that. And speaking of that, we have to kind of temper our excitement for fantasy leagues. I see a lot of people who are like, okay, let's go. And I'm saying, well, I don't know if we should. Let's go smartly, because I think if you have leagues where you have major investments, to me, that's like lighting money on fire. I don't want to do it. I'm not, you know, all those leagues, I say to everybody, especially if they're keeper leagues and leagues that you have involvement with every year with the same people, I think you kind of say, look, let's shelve it this year. If we want to play something for fun, let's do a little side pot and play out these 60 games just because we're bored and people are in quarantine and don't have anything else to do. Like, that's cool. But, man, like, some of these approaches for some of the, the expert leagues, it seems like everyone's just saying, nope. Your teams are your teams. That's sorry. That's it. Even though obviously a national league DH changes things considerably in a deeper league. And I feel like that kind of should be thought about. I don't know, Paul, how are you going about some of your leagues and, and what are some of the decisions you've had to make so far on when to play, when not to play and when to play something totally different? Yeah, I certainly think the investment uh, really, really is a driving force there. Uh, you know, I'm not going to put big money down on such a such a dice roll. Obviously, there's plenty of volatility and craziness in a given season. But over the course of the six months, you feel like the person who did the did the work and, and made the right decisions won. I mean, even if they had some things, obviously, you're going to have some good luck go your way, but it doesn't feel so fluky. I don't know how a 60-game one couldn't. I, I just don't know how it couldn't feel fluky. We're going to see some wild stats. I know people have been posting first 60 games, last 60 games, different 60-game chunks. Stuff can look so crazy that just doesn't mm -hmm. happen over a full season. So if it's a high investment, it's a no. I'm peeling back on all that, saying we either have to lower it substantially or not even do it for that kind of money this year. The main event, out for me, especially at the 1700 price point, but they went ahead and refunded that. They're lowering it down. I may consider partnering with somebody, but I'm not going to go at it by myself. Nothing against the NFBC. I love what they do over there. Oh, yeah. It's about the money, putting in the money versus what sort of skill I think I, I have, you know, the edge I think I have, which I don't even think my edge is very big at all in the main event when it's six months because there's it's such a shark pool. So why would I then add in all this crazy volatility at a similar price point? I can't do it. I, d I don't have that kind of funds to just lose <laughs> it on there. You know, I can delude myself into thinking, hey, I have a chance over the course of six months. I guess I have a chance in the 60-day thing too, but not skill-wise because craziness can happen. So yeah, if you're at a certain price point, I'm out or moving it down. We have a head-to-head -head league that we're deciding of maybe just doing a, a one-off league because it's a keeper mm -hmm. off league by itself and just playing that for a much cheaper buy-in just to have some fun, like you said, the board and wanting to play it. But right. everything else has turned on its head and I'm not really playing traditional fantasy this year as much outside well, of the, yeah. the expert leagues which the industry leagues you know they're going to kind of stay as is it's okay i mean whatever i mean yeah god forbid you think they want to be back in the spotlight that's the thing i don't understand it's like hey that's there's true. a vacuum where there's nothing going on everybody would love to see some content hey Truly maybe some redrafts like you would think everybody i would have thought they'd be on the polar opposite end of this and they're not, which really was, I got to tell you, it was shocking. I thought they'd be like, nope, we're going to do it 2.0. It's going to be great. We're going to, 
No, not at all. It's like, no, nope, we're just going to sit back on something. Yeah, we drafted in February. The two as well, you know, kind of run both leagues, right? Might right. as well, like, just, you know, we don't put a buy in in any, but we do the work. We do, we do the weekly work and everything, but do another draft and run them side by side and say he, he was the February champion. She was the 60 day champion or vice versa, you know, whatever, something like that. Whoever wins them. It's fun that way. I mean, we're, we're really just putting out where these are content generators and, and talking point generators. I don't know that, that I say Joe Pisa P finished eighth. So no black book for me this year or so-and-so finished first. I'm definitely going to buy the thing that they contributed to. And that's not to uh, besmirch anyone or anything like that. It's just that, you know, I, I love a good. Hey, who, listen, I love a good besmirching. Okay, so you never have to no, apologize I, for besmirching. I respect the people who win, and we have seen people start to rise to the top and win regularly. They're they're doing a lot of things right, and I right. I, I definitely respect that. Um, so yeah, I'm with you on the re, the redraft 2.0. Um, surely everybody has the time, right? Because that's your initial thought of right. Can we right. get everybody back together? But as far as the industry goes, almost everybody who's in those leagues is full time or at least major time in right. fantasy yeah. industry. So it's part of their job to have the time, right? I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's something we could lobby for. Because I, I, w- I would be down. I would be I'd down. I'd be down for too. It. Look, I, I, look. I've already said it, and I said it on the show last week. But I stand to it. If I win labor this year, I'm gonna get myself an asterisk trophy. I'm gonna yeah. put it right behind me. And if I win tout, I'm gonna put another one right behind me on the other side, and I'll be the asterisk champion. I don't care. Whatever you tell me to play, that's what I'm playing. You can yeah. call it whatever you want. Champs I'm or winning champs. In- I'm winning in the strictures of the season, right? I can't. I, I didn't That's decide for it to be 60 games. I'm just all winning the what I win, right? Yeah. So I, I listen, and like all I said, right. money leagues too. Well, let's it, talk about approach because yes. I know some of the approach right now. We've got some of these guys who, you know, I know some leagues uh, teams have already come out and talked about, you know, some of our pitchers are going to throw two to four innings to start the season, yep. and that's kind of like, oh my god, I don't even want to begin to talk about what that means for certain DFS early in the season. <laughs> like, or, I can't or, even. Or quality starts leagues have fun. Or, or I mean, quality that, starts. That's, leagues a, have that's fun. a negative category. That's a nothing category. Well, now. I mean, wins, quality starts, any of it. I mean, the, yeah, just I, do both, innings. Just, just do innings this year. It seems crazy. So. Uh, but but eventually guys will ramp up to a certain extent. And I, I've been saying that the one thing that I'm looking forward to here is I would be, if you are redrafting or going or having just new or drafts, new right, new leagues forming, I would be very aggressive on some of those younger pitches that you were already worried about, like innings limits and things like that. Now you don't have that concern. So a guy like uh, Jesus Lazardo, a guy like Urias uh, with the Dodgers, like to me, Julio Urias is a perfect example of a guy you love the talent, but you had real questions about like six months, how's this going to work out? 60 days, I have far less questions. There's going to be volatility no matter what, Paul, but are you going to be more aggressive too in some of those options where you can go after now in, in new drafts, some of these younger pitches where innings limits are no longer the concern that they were going into a full season? Certainly. I, I actually kind of been on that point since we realized it was going to be a shortened season when we, you know, all the way back in April when it was clear we're not starting now and we don't know when we're going to start. Yeah, I, I do think, you know, and obviously, like you said, it doesn't remove their volatility or anything, but the innings limit specifically, I think some people are going too far with injury guys because people can still get hurt in 60 days. It's not like everyone gets hurt in June or July, like two months into the season. <laughs> You can get hurt early, too, especially if you're a guy who's regularly dealt with stuff like a Rich Hill or something. Uh, but that's another story. It's just as far as they're not – there's no health issue. It was innings limit. I do think you ramp them up. Urias, for me, was already somebody I was really loving, especially in comparison to Lazardo because he's a good bit cheaper. Right. And, yeah, the Dodgers will do some stuff early probably to manage him. But once they get him in that five, six-inning groove, I think he's going to be a monster. And I know that's only going to be – the groove is going to be for seven starts, right? Like – Three. Hey man, you know, I'll take that group. That's a good no, Seven-star groove. That's <laughs> a groove, right? Like two to three starts early of just two to four innings. The seven-start groove, and then maybe another start or two on the end. That's a little bit shorter to ramp them up or to uh, bring them down a little bit for playoffs, so that they can bring them back up again. So yeah, I, I'm 100% with you on those youthful players and on some of the injury ones, like uh, Hunjin Ryu. Okay. He, he always pitches great it's just injury. That's the only thing that's ever really stopped him is injury. And yes, he can get hurt in 60 days, but he just came off a big full season too. So I'm not even betting on somebody who just got hurt like a rich hill. Like people are saying, move him up because he's going to be healthy and all that, but he's still 500 years old and (laughs) crusty skin with his 50 blisters. But Ryu is somebody who is healthy right now. He finished brilliantly last, you know, he played brilliantly last year. I'm moving him up because yes, 
He can get hurt in the 60 days, but I don't need him to make a six-month finish line. I just need him to make a two-month one. So I, I will move up some of the injury volatile guys. I just won't forget that they're injury volatile. Yeah, uh, I agree. Now, you know, speaking of some of those veterans, too, and some of those bats, you know, there's guys like David Peralta, good yep. when he's healthy, but when is he healthy? Justin Turner, a perfect example of a guy Love who, him. give me the 120 games of Justin Turner when he's healthy. He has a two-month run every year of the best right. hitter in baseball. Hopefully right. it's this one. That'd be amazing. So, so I guess, what about those kind of guys? Like, are we going for them? Are we going to try to, like, be a little aggressive maybe on Justin yeah. Turner? Just hope for the best? Yeah, no, I'm in on guys like that. Like, again, he... There's some point at, at, in every season where he's a six-week, holy smokes, have you seen Justin Turner hitting 433 <laughs> and just killing it? And that's when he's the healthiest doing his thing. We hope it's these 60 days. So, yeah, I, I am. And uh, that's the thing, too. His floor is good as well. Even if he doesn't do the, the big tear-off, what's he going to do? Hit 270 with decent pop and good counting categories for you? It won't hurt you. And the price is right, too. Same with Peralta. He's even cheaper. So I'm with you on guys like that. Just try to spike it. I'm not going to take as many of the uber volatile guys. Like Joey Gallo can hit 110 or 310. I don't know if I want to necessarily go for that stuff because people are assuming that those guys are just going to hit their high end, and I don't know why you would assume that. They could do just as poorly as right. they do well. So like Miguel Sano, Joey Gallo, those guys who are like guardrail to guardrail, no thanks. Uh, but guys who could pop off like Justin Turner, I'm in on. All right. Now, uh, a few years ago, I think it was just two, actually, now that I think about it, we had a little thing here on, on your podcast where we talked about maybe restructuring baseball. How could we do things to, to maybe make baseball better or kind of yeah. revive it a little bit? And one yeah, of the things I wanted was the 100-game regular season and the 60-game playoffs. And I kind of feel like in a weird way I got it. This is not how I wanted it, no. just so everybody knows. This is not how I wanted to get there. But I know we're kind of up against it. Real quick, I think this is going to be good for baseball in the wackiest, weirdest way ever because people are going to be watching because, number one, there's not much. But number two, it's going to be very different and hyper-focused, almost like a tournament. Mm -hmm. Now, my question for you is, what team or teams do you think this little tournament might favor right now? Okay, so I'm going to say the Diamondbacks, I always liked them for a wild card, but they could definitely sneak up on the Dodgers too. Not that the Dodgers will necessarily fail, but if both teams are playing right. well, Diamondbacks could end up on top. And there's more uh, playoff spots. Exactly. <laughs> I, I think teams like the Blue Jays, people have been talking about them, but I, always, I agree with that. Even over the course of 162, they could have snuck up. Now in 60, their, their, their gap is cut. I think a team like the Angels and Rangers, they're a little bit behind the A's and Astros. But not enough to say that they couldn't just sneak up and do some things. They both have – one has a good offense, the Angels. One has good pitching, Texas. So I'm eager to see what they can do. So those are the teams I'm looking at the most. I would say the Reds, but I like them in 162 anyway. I, in fact, I would say this actually hurts them a little bit because the volatility of 60 games with a four-team race could make it tougher for them. All right, he's Paul Sporer, everybody. Follow him on Twitter, at Sporer. Check out his work in the Black Book. And, of course, subscribe to the podcast, Sleeper in the Bust. He's the best. All right, we're going to break. We come back. More fantasy sports today right here. Craig Mitchell, join us again. Stay on the grid right here on Sports Grid. We'll be right back right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Happy Monday. Welcome back. Craig Miss, Joe Pizzapia here with you on Fantasy Sports Today. Looking forward to the 2020 Fantasy Baseball season. Of course, this week, teams are reporting to their destinations, wherever they may be, for their gear up for the 2020 season here in South Florida, waiting to uh, go visit with the Marlins again with a mask on, by the way, just so you people know out there what the right thing to do is at this point uh the uh the odds are also out in the FanDuel Sportsbook we went through a couple of win totals in the National League the Atlanta Braves the Arizona Diamondbacks they have listings for a lot of different wagers over at FanDuel and one of them Joe is looking at some of the futures bets and we'll have player props too coming out very soon the uh MVP in the American League and and look it is it is really easy to just be chalky with this and take Mike Trout at the plus 135 that he is. Mike Trout is the best player in the world. He's uh, probably going to go down as one of the greatest, what, five baseball players of all time at this point? I mean, where, where do we stand with Mike Trout? It's possible. I mean, like, he could definitely get into that grouping. I mean, 
the names that always come to mind for me when you're talking about greatest of all time, it's the Babe Ruths, it's the Ken Griffey's, it's the Barry Bonds, Willie Mays, uh, Mickey Mantle. So he's got to like get into that territory. He's right. He's headed well, there. He's on pace for there. I think that's the that's the thing. Like we've yeah. seen guys who were on pace and then fall short before. Of so and and we've seen things pop up that we never expected or maybe we did expect from them. So uh, but this one in particular with the plus 135 on Trout, he's one of the people where, you know, his wife is expecting. Correct. If sure. Correct me yeah. if I'm wrong. So this is one of those tenuous situations here where if you think he misses any bit of time because of concerns for his family or, or what have you. My goodness, like, I don't know if this is such an easy bet after all. Is that something no, that people no, should be taking Yeah, I would account? not bet this. Yeah, no, it, it doesn't make sense. It, there's no value there. No. And, and you're running a little bit of a risk, no question, um, that if, if if the angel, if, if he is good and the angels who perennially are out of it in September, <laughs> uh, if, if they are out of it, there's no reason really for him, um, you know, to win the MVP. As a matter of fact, uh, I actually think that there is some value on his teammate. Ah, uh, I agree. But which MVP. one? This is where we're going to maybe differ. Which one of the teammates? Because there's two on Who here. Oh, well, not Rendon. I think Otani is. There. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Craig Mish and I are on the same page. You better but run. It, but again, we don't club. know what his status is. You know, like that's. We don't, but, but if he's going to pitch and hit, he's got a great shot. to win. That's what I'm talking about. Like, I mean, this is is he going to pitch and hit. They haven't said, listen, as soon as they say it, I'm telling you, like, you might want to get in on it now, just in case, (laughs) because if he does both, this is going to get moved. It's going to get moved. I think if he does, and let me tell you, I think there's a better chance that they need him to, and that he does, even if they don't announce it at the beginning, Ah, but they've said it's still not certain. They've said, well, he, here, here's the one thing I would say. This is becoming almost like College World Series. This is becoming like Little League World Series. It's becoming this, this all-important tournament, right? And if you have the best kid in the tournament who plays shortstop on, you it's know, a very pitches, fair point. It's a very it, it's fair point. That kind of a guy who's a two-way player in this small sample size where he doesn't have to do it over a whole season that could make more of an impact than any other player. And I look at that plus 1,900 number, Craig, and I just think from a speculative standpoint – it's very difficult because, you know, when you have guys like Mike Trout on your team or Anthony Rendon, MVP caliber talents anyway, or a multiple time MVP guy like Mike Trout, it's always tough. But the one thing this guy's got that nobody else does is that ability to do it on the mound. And if you could have this guy hit, you know, 12 home runs or 15 home runs or something like that. That's a very fair point. I can't argue with any of it. I mean, and, and I can't, and you kind of see the same way as I do, right? Like, oh, no, I, I, I do. There's a lot of very valid, valid, a lot of validity to it. And going but, into the season, I got to tell you, but this was, here is, this here is from, okay, so, but all of that being said, we okay. have to give the best betting advice possible. Absolutely. And it's not, and it's not the idea. It's the, it's the concept and the execution of the bet. Right. And in this particular case, the execution would be trying to find out for A, whether or not he's going to pitch and pitch opening day. That's good. That's a big part. Is, is there a, a contender to pitch opening day well, besides I would think him? Andrew, I would think Heaney would be the guy to pitch opening day. Andrew and Canning Heaney. is there too? Is that is that right? Uh, I'll double check. I, I don't know if he's listed at the two, but you continue on. I'll double check. Okay. So Otani has to – okay, it's 60 games. He's got to be on TV. It's got to be opening day. It's got to be marquee games that he's pitching in. Remember, this is the MVP we're talking about. We're not just talking about him making six starts. It's not going to be enough. He's no. got to be a big factor right. uh, on the mound to win. That's A. Well, you've and got Tehran and Bundy in this rotation, right, too. Those are the other guys in canning. So, well, Tehran, so, hold on. Tehran does take the ball every fifth day. That's the one thing you got to say about Tehran. All right, whatever. So... <laughs> can't argue that. Spending, you're spending Tehran work does, too, you know? You're spending um, too much time with me. So, so <laughs> what we would have to determine is if it was just simply announced that Otani was going to pitch, I don't think the number would move at all. I think at, it would maybe 18 to 1. I, I don't think FanDuel would adjust it. If they announced that he was the opening day starter, this would move probably a little bit. I don't know it would be significant. So... Why why do this now is the key. I don't think there's value. I think the key is to see how uh, sp- how this you know spring thing works out to see if he's pitching and then maybe execute. Maybe it won't drop that much. Maybe right it wouldn't drop that much. Maybe eighteen, 
My, I guess I guess you can make the argument there. You know, the, I'll tell you what. You know where I don't want to make an argument is for Aaron Judge. I am incredibly worried about the shoulder. I mean, I was worried about it before living in the Northeast. Yeah, if he's I still heard, not ready, I'm not interested. In uh, I I think that is lighting money on fire. I, I don't I, like. Again, it you have a lot of people betting. You're paying tax on Yankees, Joe. Here, so right. And if I'm gonna pay for a Yankee, I think his teammate Glaber Torres at plus nineteen is a much better investment because Torres was the MVP. I wouldn't invest any, in any Yankees, FanDuel's a Northeast-centric uh, book. You're not, getting, you're not getting any value on that. All right, well, how about some value on, on Lindor? Because, That's a again, now this order, if Ramirez is right and Fran Mil Reyes plays well and Lindor is always Lindor, the very few teams have a 1-2-3 as good potentially as the Indians. This is a team that could very well be built for a 60-game season. They have a fantastic manager, uh, a guy who's won uh, many times in his career. And I kind of look at the Indians as like a team everyone wrote off this year, but maybe just the circumstances have forced their hand into being com you know, competitors. And if they are, maybe this is a team that also kind of like the American League version of the Diamondbacks goes through and all of a sudden surprises people, becomes a playoff team and maybe has a great run. And if so, Francisco Lindor is going to be the reason why. Can you see maybe some uh, attention on Lindor at plus 12? Yeah, maybe so. I think that he's getting attention for himself and potentially his future, too, because I think eventually he'll be moved. So I like that. Um, I like Bregman at 15 to one. I think Bregman has a lot to prove this year. And at the end, they're going to judge it based on stats, not on anything else. So I think there's an opportunity for him. Okay, there. There's there's a question I have. I want to just pause you for a second. Do you think that do you think that Major League Baseball from a PR perspective this year, of all the years and everything that went on at the beginning of the year, is going to hand that award to any Astro? Not like his choice. Not his choice. No, but I mean the media and everything. I mean, it's not. It, yeah. It, well, I mean, I'm sorry. It's not Major League Baseball's choice. No, I mean the media. People. Do you think the media is going to hand it to him? I mean, gosh, the media narrative. They have a great that, year. Yeah. If I, I'm not saying they shouldn't. But if it's I'm between saying, him well, and someone else, maybe not. But it. I, I just think that he's a player in particular that, with, with something to prove, I could see coming up big. Didn't understand that. He's another guy that is the victim of playing on Rendon, TV. Rendon, I don't know, right. makes no sense because if it's close with Rendon and Trout, Trout is going to win. So I, I'm out on on that. Um, you know, I, why is Chapman eighteen to one and Simeon is not in here? That, that's <laughs> I'm glad you said it. Uh, I can't think of a reason because Simeon, I think, was you know as good as Chapman was. I can only assume maybe. I mean. I can't even make the defensive argument there because Simeon's pretty good with the glove at short. So I, I, I don't know. I, I can't <laughs> fathom why. I, I think that we we're pretty clear that if you are going to bet it uh, and it's not going to be one of the top guys, then it would be wise to take a shot with Otani. And, and the other part of this, too, is that if you're not betting a lot on this, and that's not something that I would recommend, you, this is a fun bet to make because – you're getting really good odds at 19 to one. If you're betting a hundred dollars and you have the disposable income, you could potentially win almost two grand. And on top of it, it would be fun to root for because mm -hmm. you'd, you'd get to see something that's never happened before, which is essentially a two-way player playing at an elite level. And we've seen McKay do it. And we've seen some other players attempt it, but this is a fun bet to make. Yeah. I, 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 I would get, what, I would get behind it. I think it would, but again, I don't see value in doing it now because I, I'd want to make sure that the guy throws like you literally no, right. would be right. setting money on fire. If, if we get to day one next week or at the, at the end of this week and uh, the manager and Joe Madden comes out and says, Oh, you know, we thought it through and we just decided we're not going to use him as a pitcher just because just to be on the safe side. Well, you just lit hundred hours on fire. <laughs> and that's, so, and that's totally fair. I think you got to wait a week or two. I think that's fair, but I think this is, and if, especially if you don't think it's going to move significantly, like if he goes from 19, maybe even so. 18. But if, he, if, he, if they announce he pitches opening day, this is going to move. Yeah, I think so, so too. I think it's going to move as but well. if it's not opening day, I think you're still okay. There's only three names on this board that I think are good investments. I think it's Otani, under the circumstances we're pointing out. I think it's Lindor, under that narrative of the Indians it's are built better. It's always a good investment. I mean, it's it's always a good investment, but not. plus 12 is a nice number there. Like, that's pretty good. <laughs> like, it plus is. 1,200. And, and the other look, one— I mean, the other thing, too, is that, you know, you get to this weekend, and, and then you, you get reporters on a Zoom call asking Mike Trout, hey, what is your plan uh, when you have a child? And he mm -hmm. says, I'm planning on spending a week away. Well, okay, he's out. Like, so now you can you can right. readjust that. You just have to have your finger on the trigger over the FanDuel Sportsbook ready to execute the bet. I mean, that's that's kind of what it comes down to is you got to stay ahead of the market. When we had John Sheeran on last week, that's what he said the challenge is at this point. 
is sort of staying on the market to make sure that they're following all of the news that's released in the NBA and Major League Baseball. But uh, Trout being out a week, I think, eliminates his chances and, and certainly doesn't give you any advantage on his chances. Now, conversely, if he says, I've decided I'm going to spend 24 hours away and miss one game, I mean, you can't mm-hmm. predict the pregnancy. We understand that. But if that's what he says, then you have to be back on Trout at that point because you know, hey, look, that's that's a that's a game. And I don't think it affects Cole at all. I mean, it's one start, basically. So no, I, I, I know look, that he's in that similar and, and look, this could be a year or two where a, a pitch, uh, just a pitcher wins. I got, you know, we could have a pitcher MVP, which is not something we're even it, talking it could about. Be. It could, I, but, I think the, I think the, the win total winner is going to be a reliever this year. I, it might, and you know, I was going to say that was the other thing I was going to say. You could look at a guy, you know, like a National League side, a guy like you know Hater, one of those elite bullpen guys potentially making a run at an MVP, not just a Cy Young. Yeah, I, but, I think um, Nick Anderson on Tampa. Nick Anderson's another one uh, for yeah, me. I don't, I don't think he'll be closing. I think he's going to get a lot of wins. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, and Torres is that one like, like just finally on the. I think there's a there's a superstar growing in New York, and it's not Judge, and it's not Stanton. It's Torres. Torres was the guy last year when all those guys were out, and I don't think people quite realize it. And I think they are going to continue to learn it if Judge misses significant time again or misses this season again. Because I'm telling you, this is the guy. Washington play enough. I'm telling you, Torres is the new superstar of the Yankees, and nobody player, has a better. I don't agree. I, I don't think. Well, but again, if the Yankees I, win, I think, I think it's too much competition. Market. You didn't even mention Gary Sanchez. He could have a big year too. Oh, Gary Sanchez hitting 220 every year. Come on, Craig. We can't keep going. No, I'm not. I wouldn't. I wouldn't rule out. There's just so many great players on that team. It's hard to pick just one. Same with the Dodgers. All right. Uh, what we'll do is we'll come back next. We'll shift over to a little fantasy football discussion. We're back with more after this. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You're watching SportsGrid. Get on the grid. And welcome back. The news in the NFL yesterday was the Players Association uh, head, Demora Smith, essentially, Joe, said that player workouts are uh, are not something that he's in favor of, the way that they're being uh, done right now. And again, the way the country is, we're going to have to kind of follow the NFL situation. Um you know, the, basically the union set out an advisory last weekend saying mm-hmm. to stop working out together and, and players essentially are not listening. And, uh, you know, the last thing that we want is a situation like Clemson or some of the other college football teams where we have 20 or 30 guys testing positive. But at the same time, you understand that players, you know, know that in less than a month from now, they got to get started with spring training. And this is just something natural for them that they do every year as they start to work out and get ready uh, before training camp starts. It used to be, Joe, players would report to spring training and they'd report to training camp, and that's when the training would begin. Right. But now teams expect you to be ready when that begins. And so mm-hmm. it's a dynamic that's really difficult, but hopefully this thing gets sorted out. Yeah, and look, and a lot of these guys are, you know, trying to do this for the good of their team. Like, they they, they want to be ready, they want to be prepared, and they have all the right intentions. But unfortunately, under the circumstances, you have to kind of temper those Sure. Uh, good intentions a little bit with some clarity and some intellectual choices here where it's, yes, I understand you're trying to do what's right. I understand you're trying to work with your new teammates. Those like Tom Brady's trying to work out and, you know, get a rhythm with this guy. I get that. I totally get it. That's cool. That's great. Except for it's not good potentially in the long run for the rest of your team. So you have to kind of be smartier and hopefully guys will respect this and they will listen to their player union reps and they and they won't do this and they will phase these things out. And it, it might affect the, the product on the field. We don't know. I mean, there are going to be less preseason games. There are going to be less workouts, as we've seen, low OTAs. There's a lot of things here where the product on the field, you might look at some teams in the NFL this year, Craig, and the teams that have been together longer might have a real advantage this year in the first month of the season. Teams yeah. that, you know, offensive lines that have had continuity, um, quarterbacks and wide receiving cores that have had continuity. That could be a real big thing this year. Yeah, no, we've talked about rookie totals on a lot of the players going mm-hmm. under on most of them. And I think that's the direction overall that uh, people probably need to go. 
Uh, speaking of rookies, of course, the uh, you know the Raiders have a big rookie going into the season this year. The Chargers have a new quarterback potentially going in. The Chiefs have a new running back. There's a lot of options there, uh, Joe, in the Amer- in the uh, AFC West. And you know, we've talked about some potential late round picks on some of the other discussions on the shows that we've had. And today we're going to take a look at the AFC West. So in terms of the ADP and these early mock drafts that people are doing as we move into the month of July and things uh, sort to pick up a little bit more, who are you finding that you feel are some pretty good values for you? Well, I think the first one on the Chiefs is Miko Harmon round eight. That's a really good investment because, yes, he is not the first target or the second one, maybe even the third. But this offense is one of the few that can sustain a fourth option. The question is, who's that fourth option going to be? I've seen enough Sammy Watkins in my life to know that there's always going to be that one Sammy Watkins guy game and, you know, all the Sammy Watkins truthers will come out. But if you watch carefully last year, Miko Hardman's speed is undeniable. His ability to uh, get out in space and work is just crazy. And if you give him plays designed for him, which you saw in the second half of last year, they continue to do that, find ways to get the football in his hands, whether it be rushing or whether it be catching the football, that's a big positive. And I don't know what defense has an answer for Tyreek Hill and Mecole Hardman on the field at the same time, Craig. I don't think you have an answer for it. That is going to be very difficult to guard. And I see a lot of the same things in Hardman that I saw in Hill when Hill was a rookie and those same kind of things potentially. And I think what happened last year is his value got skewed because if you recall, Tyreek Hill missed the first few games of the season. People wanted to automatically elevate Miko Hardman that was going on and then everything came back down to earth and there was a big wide up and down in terms of where his value went. Now it's settled in round eight. Round eight I feel is a comfortable investment as a fifth wide receiver on my team that there's upside in the ceiling there. So I think when you're going later in a draft, that's kind of what you're looking for. Can this guy cover a bye week? Can this guy have upside? And I think the answer on both of those is yes. Yeah, the Chiefs have these week-to-week players at this point that you're uncertain of. But look, Hardman... Uh, going into another year and understanding the offense more has to be a, a more of an advantage for Kansas City. So it does make some sense. And, uh, you know, certainly you want, if you don't get an early piece of that offense with the running back or with Tyree Kill or with Patrick Mahomes, uh, Hardman's a really good player to have. And on top of that, I would say that if you end up taking Mahomes, why not pair him up with Hardman for the season as your wide receiver three or bye week fill-in? And I think that there's a realistic chance that, that ends up hitting for you you're looking to win a championship in fantasy football. Consistency, unfortunately, is not the easiest thing to predict. You want yeah. some high upside guys, and I think that he's one of them. All right, moving on to the Broncos here. Speaking of consistency, is a guy that no matter what he does, the Broncos still seem to want to replace him. And this year, they probably did with Melvin Gordon. However, Melvin Gordon does have a track record of getting hurt in seasons. And Philip Lindsay has not one, but two thousand-yard rushing seasons to his name to start his career. Uh, You also look, he's also got 16 rushing touchdowns over that period of time. So I don't think that Philip Lindsay is going to outrush or or outperform Melvin Gordon. However, I think in terms of an investment, there's not a lot of running backs that I feel really good about where the guy who could take over as the RB1 if an injury did happen could be a thousand yard rusher. And we already know Lindsay is that. So for me, I'm looking at this scenario as he is one of the few backup running backs that, yeah, maybe he'll get five to ten touches a game, and I don't get really super excited about that. But what I do get excited, especially this year with all the other weird things going on, if a guy like a Melvin Gordon, let's say, unfortunately, had to miss a significant portion of a season, my goodness, Philip Lindsay is a guy that can go in there and be as good, if not better, Craig. So I look at an eighth-round or even ninth-round value on Lindsay as a potential win when you're trying to you know create some depth on your bench. Yeah, I I disagree. I think that Denver wouldn't have acquired Gordon if they thought that uh, Lindsey was a full-time answer. And and Lindsey wasn't drafted. He was a a very big overachiever for the Broncos in the couple of years that they were there. And and look, signing Gordon may be more of an indictment on on Royce Freeman, who probably won't end up with the team. But uh, I would go opposite of this. I would predict Lindsey being a bust and uh, no longer being on the fantasy football radar. I think it's over for him. All right, there's a good debate there. Uh, let's go for one more in the Broncos. Noah Fant, round nine. That's a pretty good return. If you miss out on the top guys, you don't want to pay top tight end price. And let's say the run doesn't go your way in that next year of Andrews and and Darren Waller and those guys there, then maybe you just wait it out. And maybe you can get an upside guy at tight end like Noah Fant, who showed you some moments last year. Rookie tight ends tend to not show you anything for the most part. Fant yeah. shows you some moments. And now you've got Jerry Judy, you got Cortland Sutton, you got a lot of attention from the defensive backs now on those wide receivers, and that leaves 
some guy in the middle. And that guy is Noah Fan potentially. And I really like this upside here. And I like potentially what he could do in the red zone as well, because I think Fant is another one of these guys that uh, when we look back on it between him and Hawkinson, I think we're going to end up saying that Noah Fant has the better NFL career. Maybe that's a hot take. It's just my instincts of watching the two of them play so far. But I think round nine, you could do a lot worse or in tight end premium leagues than Noah Fant. Yeah, Fant's a, a high-end uh, tight end receiver, both in college and in pro. I would expect him to take another step this year. And my only concern would be, again, the offense that they're running there in Denver. If you told me that it's going to be more of a high-powered offense, I think that Fant could be a major contributor. And I could see him putting up, like, uh, Kelsey and Ertz numbers eventually. I don't know if it'll happen this year, but one of my favorite keepers at that position, that's for sure. All right, let's move on to the Raiders. And one of their favorite receivers on the board clearly was Henry Ruggs because they took him first overall, Craig. And when you're looking at Ruggs, you have to imagine if you're going to spend that kind of draft capital on a guy that you think is better than the other class of everybody who thought that Judy and Lamb and all these guys were better, or if he really fits what you want to do in the offense, well, you better use him. And if you don't, then it's going to be a bust. So he's got a round 12 grade on him right now which I think is pretty reasonable, all things considered. I'm not in love with this passing attack necessarily, but if you are going to try to stretch the field a little bit with a guy like Ruggs, do you feel like there's going to be enough targets going his way because of where he got drafted? And despite your concerns about some of these young wide receivers performing well in 2020, do you think round 12 is a good enough value where I can interest you in Henry Ruggs? Yeah, I think, why not? You know, at, at that stage of the game, and I'm surprised that he's going that late, uh, being he drafted th that high in the NFL. But, you know, not having the familiarity with Carr, I suppose, and not being on the field with him, he's probably going to be more of a second-half play. But he'll win a week for somebody in fantasy this year. I would think that he'll have a couple of three-catch, 150-yard games. Maybe not a lot. And I, I, don't, I don't think he'll have a high reception number this year. But I, I don't mind it. All right. I, I kind of agree with you. I feel like around 12 for him is reasonable. And if you don't want to say, you know, go at round eight with Miko Harbin and wait another round or two, who's to say that Ruggs doesn't have the same kind of numbers when all is said and done, potentially. He's probably going to have more opportunity for those numbers than Miko Harbin in terms of targets. And I'm over the whole Tyra Williams experiment. Like every time I, everybody every year tries to make this guy happen and every year it just doesn't happen. So I'm over it. I'm past it. Got off to a good start though last year. So that you could put that into every single profile of him every season. He got off to a good start. He had a couple of good games and then he disappears and that's no good. Uh, now this is only for deeper PPR, this next one, cause he's going undrafted for the most part. But if you're in one of these, you know, we're talking like 14, 16 team leagues as I am in sometimes I know you are as well. I think Hunter Renfro is a PPR guy, kind of like in that mold of Cole Beasley last year where he might not have a lot of touchdown upside, but I think what he's going to do is he's going to get some volume in that offense and he's going to play in the slot. And I think you're going to see Carr be one of these guys that looks for Hunter Renfro. And uh, to me, again, this is a deeper PPR play. That's what I'm looking for there. I'm not so much looking for uh, a huge return, but I think it's a guy who's going to get picked up on a lot of waiver wires, Craig. Yeah, good PPR guy for sure. I think we would leave it at that. Uh, last but not least, the Chargers, obviously new quarterback, as you pointed out earlier, Hunter Henry. Uh, when you're looking at the options there, Keenan Allen's a real good option. Mike Williams, theoretically a good option, but I think a healthy Hunter Henry goes a long way for Tyrod Taylor in this offense. So I'd be looking at Hunter Henry as a round eight investment. Again, if you don't want to go all the way to Noah Fant, everybody, including me, was very high on him last year. Now, granted, that's also when you look at the track record of Hunter Henry and tight ends with Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers not there anymore, but I still think there's enough out there where you get excited about Hunter Henry. He's a really good route runner as a tight end. You don't see that a lot, but for me, he's one of the better route running tight ends. So I think there's a chance here where it's almost like a post hype sleeper kind of guy where everybody was in on him and then he got hurt. Now everybody forgot about him and round eight, I think you could uh, make a case to get back in on him. Yeah. I mean, Hunter Henry is a guy that uh, I think we've all been waiting to like sort of take that, next step to the next level and uh taylor does find his way to the tight ends a little bit so i would look for that to happen and especially if herbert ends up playing i would consider him as well all right uh the designated hitter is coming to the national league joe and i have been t discussing and talking about some of the potential players that it could end up helping so we're going to cover a team like the milwaukee brewers today and find out whether or not they have a couple of options for you both in reality and fantasy that you may want to consider also, don't forget our new Sports Grid radio channel. We've got some great new shows that have been on there. In addition, we're broadcasting live on SB Nation radio every single day. Scott Farrell uh, is on there, uh, Gabe Morency, and make sure you catch Scott Wetzel's show as well, Bagels and Bad Beats. We're back with more fantasy sports today in just two minutes. 
so don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The interesting dynamic of Major League Baseball's 2020 season, if someone asks, would probably be the idea that 15 teams are going to have hitters instead of pitchers batting, and maybe that even happens in the future. But it's not something, Joe, that we thought would happen this quickly. We thought maybe for the new collective bargaining agreement that would happen, and it certainly will affect the game quite a bit. I would imagine runs will go up across the board, uh, both in the American League and the National League, and it may come down to not seeing pitchers hit at all anymore, which is a bummer for guys like Madison Bumgarner and Zach Greinke, who you know certainly really enjoyed it. But from a fantasy perspective, it also has created an interesting situation. If you go back and watch our show on demand, we talked about the possibility of the Padres using Josh Naylor and Ty France. If you want to get more familiar with those guys, check out our YouTube channel and go back and watch our previous episode. We have it there for you. Uh, Brewers are also another team that has no shortage of potential players that they could use at the designated hitter. I guess the question would be, will they get high-end production from that position when they decide inevitably to go to it this year? Well, that's always the question, right? Because a lot of hitters will tell you that the rhythm of being in the game and being in the field and hitting is all kind of tied to itself. And Edgar Martinez will tell you, Frank Thomas will tell you, the transition into DH was not necessarily the easiest thing. And now you're asking people to do it with no time to prepare, basically. So that is, that's a difficult thing, I think, to ask. Now, you hope that older professional hitters like a guy like Ryan Braun can transition well into that role. Ryan Braun's had trouble staying healthy through seasons. A shortened season's a good thing for him in the first place. But him getting at least some at-bats at DH, I think really, you know, would make a significant win here for the Brewers, who were a team that when you looked at the roster, you said, man, where, where's everybody going to play and how's this going to work out? Because in the offseason, they brought in Justin Smoke to play first base. So that could have eaten in, obviously, to Ryan Braun's uh, potential in terms of at-bats. And then Avisel Garcia was another guy that came in. Sure. So these were two guys... Profile-wise, both these guys hit for an average in the 280s last year. Both of these guys have 20 home run power over a full season. You look at the stats of Ryan Braun and Avisel Garcia, and they're nearly identical, Craig, last year. And I kind of, and obviously Garcia's with the Rays, not with the Brewers, but this is a better ballpark for Garcia in terms of home runs. This ballpark plays much better for power. So I would imagine it's going to be a shuffle, but I think it's good for everybody because it means more at-bats for both of these guys. And I think going into this year, there was definitely some questions of how that was going to work out over a full season. So is there a one guy that you would favor over the other? Or is this kind of you're looking at it like I am? I was like, hey, just get these bats in the lineup and we're all good. Yeah, I, I think that it, it's pretty clear at this point that Braun, who is being asked to play a little bit of first base now, definitely gets a bump in value. I think Garcia gets a bump in value as well. And uh, and look, there could be other players in the mix for Milwaukee. It wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me. And I, and I think that when you look at it, that's a team in particular that going into a 60 game uh, season does not really have the high end pitching. They're going to need to score as many runs as they can. Yeah. So they're going to be using these guys as much as possible. I mean, Keston Hura is another player that you would say, wait a second. No, no way will they use him as a DH. But look, I mean, he's had some at least questionable defensive issues in the past. Mm -hmm. And people wonder if he can play defense as well. That could end up being a, a position for him also in 2020. Uh, Braun's career is, is, you know, certainly really interesting how he started <laughs> out so great, uh, ended up winning the MVP, getting popped for uh, the PEDs and having back issues over the last few years that have, you know, kind of zapped a little bit of him, but he still continually puts up the numbers when he's in the lineup every day. I would expect this to be the final year of him playing in Major League Baseball, he has essentially said that uh, there's a, a chance, at least, that this is it. So maybe he goes out with a bang with the last 60 games. Yeah, well, it wasn't even so much getting popped with the suspension as it was about lying about it first and then having yeah, to basically sure. admit it. I think it just kind of made it all worse instead of just saying, yeah, I did it. I screwed up, you know, and then you just take your medicine and move on. But uh, I don't know. For guys who are at the end, you know, we just kind of talked about this in the NBA with Vince Carter, too. We, we see some of these guys at the end of their careers and – I don't know. I don't know how they're going to end it in these weird fashions and these weird seasons, if that's really how they want to go out. I think for Vince Carter it was, but I don't know about Braun. 
uh, especially if there is a DH option. Is that something that maybe gets him to come back for one more year or if this team has yeah, success? You know, yeah. this Brewers team is an intriguing one because they do have some <laughs> really good arms in the bullpen. They brought in a pitcher in Josh Lindblom who had a really good season in the KBO last year, much more than a guy like Miklas because he was striking out a ton of guys. So I look at him as a whole different kind of pitcher, and there's less time for you know a lot of people to kind of catch up to that. So the Brewers almost in a way – you know, win out because they're a team that has some depth on the offense and they automatically have a DH here that is a very good hitter. Whether it's Garcia, whether it's Braun, they've done a good job here because now they've got a surplus. They've got pitching like a guy like Lindblom who are you're kind of, you know, or Woodruff, guys like that where you have some concerns, but now it's a shortened period of time and the Brewers are a team that does have an MVP caliber talent in Christian Yelich. They become another one of these wild card teams where you don't know what you're going to get but I think it's going to be exciting to watch them. It will be. Yeah. That's another one that I think could kind of, you know, backdoor into the playoffs there. And people might not, again, they, they, it's like we never see Milwaukee coming. And I, I'm one of these guys that, you know, two years ago I said, wow, what a great story. It's not going to happen. And then they, you know, they, gotta, they keep proving you wrong. Do you think Milwaukee's got a, a third year of proving us wrong? Oh, they, they, they could. Um, look, they've shown a lot of consistency uh, over the last couple of years and, they do have an X factor like nobody else does in Hater. So, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. I think that that's you know, a possibility for them. But, you know, I, I am most interested to see how, how their offense does shake out. Um, you know, I'm a big Kane fan. Uh, he's appeared on our show many times. I'm a, you know, obviously I feel strongly about Christian Yelich, but I, I don't know. I mean, this could be the one year that the Brewers don't end up surprising us and, and are kind of what we thought they were. So we'll have to see. Well, you mentioned um, about Hura too, real quick. I just want to point that out. Mm -hmm. They did acquire uh, Urias, uh, Louis Urias uh, in the off season as well. If Hura did go DH, uh, that would certainly open up a better potential up the middle defensively. It, it could. It, I, I'm not sure if Hura is not yeah. destined for first base, honestly. And they really don't have anybody clogging that position. I think they didn't they get smoke. Isn't that the they, got they got smoke? That's who they yeah. brought in. They brought in smoke. That could be a and, DH too. So we'll see. You could. Um, you know, an interesting story also percolating around yesterday in the NBA is Jabari Parker, who tested positive um, with COVID-19 and plays on the Sacramento Kings, basically said that uh, he tested positive and he was going to self-isolate in Chicago. And then, Joe, he was spotted uh, essentially, you know, practicing without a mask and being around. The team is aware of it. And, you know, this is something else that I think that needs to happen, you know, when, you know, not specifically for Javari Parker. I mean, he and, and several other players in the Kings tested positive and, um, you know, they're going to be playing in this uh, upcoming, you know, bubble in Orlando, so to speak. But, I think all of the leagues, NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, and then even potentially in the NFL, have to, have to come up with some punishment or some way to police the the uh, players who do test positive from being out in public and potentially not even you know really affecting somebody else. But the last thing that you want is somebody in your league with the public persona that they don't care that they've tested positive for the virus and could infect other people. So uh, I don't know what the penalties are. Um, but the CDC guidelines basically state that those players have to be in isolation. Uh, if they test positive, um, they have to test negative two times within a 24-hour period to be allowed to play again. That's both for baseball and basketball as well. So I'm hopeful that they figure something out because it's not something that we really even thought about. Like, what if players just decided that they don't care because they want to play? They're making millions of dollars, Joe. They have a lot more pressure if they decide that they're young and they don't care and they want to play again. You can't have this kind of stuff going on. Well, no, they have to, the league has to step in and make rules about it. And I don't know where we've gone as a society where common courtesy has gone out the window. I don't get that. You know, it's it's not difficult to wear a mask. It's not difficult to quarantine for two weeks and, and do what you're supposed to do. And and just take care of not only yourself, but other people around you, too. It's It's courtesy here. We're all trying to be a community here in this country again and trying to understand that it's not all about us all the time. It's about, you know, it's not about the individual all the time. It should be about the collective. And starting to think of ourselves as a community a little bit more would be much healthier for all of us. And yeah, we could disagree as a community, but let's disagree in a healthy manner. And let's also say, okay, what's best here? What's science telling us? And I think you're right. I think the league has kind of been put in a bad spot here. So if, if a guy tests positive and then does not follow the protocols they put forward, I don't see what else you can do but discipline him. Am I right? 
Yeah, no, I think that they have to. I think that maybe not for him, but maybe that's where we started, where they realize that it's not the right thing to do and they come up with that. Um, so over the weekend, Joe, I, I had a chance to catch the new uh, Netflix movie Euro uh, Vision. I don't know if you've, you've seen this yet. This is uh, with Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams starring as uh, singers from Iceland in a oh, sort of uh, oh, musical, musical comedy. Well, there's there's and that contest, that Euro whatever every Euro, year that pop star thing. I don't know what it's Eurovision. called. Eurovision. Yes. Is that what it's called? I wasn't sure. Oh man, that is some crazy stuff. I've seen that. That's nuts. <laughs> yeah. So uh look, I mean I would say that, you know, it was it was relatively entertaining. I don't want to ruin it for anyone. Uh the it's you know, it starts off, I would say, great and then sort of feels like a lot of movies that I watch at ten o'clock at night, honestly. Maybe it's because I'm getting tired, I don't know. But it, it, it fades for me a little bit. And but the one thing that I would say that was was really cool was seeing like Will Ferrell at least attempting to sing and uh, and Rachel <laughs> McAdams singing as well. Like a lot there was a lot of music in, in the right. movie. And and you know, it, there was comedy, but there were definitely like packets of the movie that there were singing and music, and actually it was a pretty entertaining movie. So uh, I would say it would be a light recommendation for me. It wasn't okay. the best movie that I've that I've seen on Netflix, but it was it was watchable. I thought it was pretty good. Would you say it is uh, worse than or better than they pitch perfect films? Because those are musical comedies that I You know find what? Really I really didn't watch any of them through from the beginning to the end, you but I would what? say that good. there's a there's a similarity there. I, I Mike, I watched the first one with my kids. Everyone kept telling me it's good, you'll like it, it's good. And I did. I liked it. I liked the first one a lot. Second one was cute. Third one was kind of silly. Third, I'll be honest with you. By the third one, it's like Look, this is just a giant cash grab, everybody. We're going to have a couple jokes. We're going to sing a couple songs, and it's very disposable. But I would think, you know, the first two are definitely worth sitting and watching the whole way through. Um, but, yeah, I, I would give it a shot. I like Will Ferrell. Yeah, I would say, I would say that it was, it was worth watching. You won't, you won't watch it at the end and say this is great. But also at the end, you'll, you won't go, okay, like I wasted my time. Like somewhere like right in between, which, which these days to have something like that to watch is great. Yeah, so, just something. We need anything. I rewatched Righteous Gemstones this weekend, which is yeah, one I of I feel my, the same way oh, about so uh, Space Force. It's like, it's not great. It's not bad. It's just like, okay, like it's doable. Like, well, that's good. Have, we need that, especially in the sitcom world. We need yeah, mindless half-hour comedy. I think that's True. an important thing. We all need that in our lives. We might qualify as mindless two-hour comedy we at could. times. Definitely mindless, I would say it's that. Yeah. yeah, definitely comedy at times. For sure, but I, I uh, that too. That's fair. But we're here every day for everybody, and not saying something that is, is true. But we're not here anymore. We have to leave. That's, that's true. We're done show. now. That's it. We're over. Thank you to Paul Spore for coming on our program today. Hopefully, you guys have a good week ahead of you. If we don't catch up with you the rest of the week, I'm sorry for that. I hopefully you will stay with us because Joe and I will be back tomorrow morning at 11 a.m. Eastern for another edition of Fantasy Sports Today. Coming up a little bit later, Scott Farrell, Coast to Coast. Make sure you catch his show. Very entertaining. Some great guests, including last week he had Mike Leach on the show. You can catch that on demand as well. Thanks to Brett, Danny, and Ryan for putting our program together today. For my co-host Joe Pizzapia, I'm Craig Mish. Talk to you tomorrow morning, 11 a.m. Eastern, right here on Sports Grid on Fantasy Sports Today. Have a great rest of your Monday. We'll talk to you then. See ya. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.